Well, today is a, is a tough topic, and uh, it's because it's about husbands and wives and those kind of things, and if I was a man, of, if I had less, uh, I had to gird up the loins of my mind, as we talked about a few weeks ago, to say, oh, all right, it's just the, I'm just the messenger. <laughs> but we have looked at submission last week. We were looking at how the submission of Christians to government, uh, the submission of Christians to our masters, to our employers, to those that are in authority, uh, is in fact our subtle witness, and that by living in submission as we ought, we promote the gospel, and it gives us an opportunity to suffer as Christ suffers sometimes, because sometimes people will take advantage of our submissive posture. And he continues now, Peter, moving into the discussion of, well, how generally should Christians act across the board? How should we act towards each other? And we looked at the institution of government and of uh, employment. So what about the most fundamental institution there is, marriage? And so today, that's where we're going to go. What I was trying to come up with in organizing all this is, wh what is Peter really saying? And, and that wonderful word, which we don't use often, deference, is what came to mind. It, it is uh, an attitude of deference. It's, that's, that's the attitude, that's the behavior that Peter tells us that God will bless. So knowing that, let's jump into the scripture, and then we'll come back and talk about it. Starting in chapter 3 of First Peter, at the first verse. <clears throat> Wives, likewise, be submissive to your own husbands, that even if some do not obey the word, they, without a word, <clears throat> may be won by the conduct of their wives. When they observe your chaste conduct, accompanied by fear, do not let your adornment be merely outward, arranging the hair wearing gold, or putting on fine apparel. Rather, let it be the hidden person of the heart, with the incorruptible beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is very precious in the sight of God. For in this manner, in the former times, holy women who trusted God adorn themselves, being submissive to their own husbands, as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, whose daughters you are if you do good and are not afraid with any terror. Husbands, likewise, dwell with them with understanding, giving honor to the wife as to the weaker vessel, and as being heirs together of the grace of life that your prayers may not be hindered. Finally, all of you be of one mind, having compassion for one another, Love as brothers, be tender-hearted, be courteous, not returning evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, blessing, knowing that you were called to this, that you may inherit a blessing. For he who would love life and see good days, let him refrain his tongue from deceit and let his lips, uh, refrain his lips from speaking deceit. Let him turn away from evil and do good. Let him seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are open to their prayers. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. Amen. May God bless the reading of his word. Now you know why I was nervous about this passage. Because it's counter-cultural. It's not fitting in with our culture. And it's important that we recognize that according to scripture, there is a difference in marriage and roles that are played. And husbands have... A, a view and wives have a view and the Bible doesn't make any attempt to make us feel more comfortable with that. The Bible just says this is how it is. And so as last week when I said I don't like the word submit, I don't like submit, in my mind it places an attitude of I'm a doormat. 
Uh, but when I don't like it, I have to trust God rather than me. Uh, we all have to have that attitude. And there is a lot of things in the Bible that don't always sit well with the way we were brought up. And it is on us to change our activity rather than ask the Bible to accommodate. Uh, one of the things, just watching television today, uh, the, uh, the new agenda and things that are going on with, within marriage and marriage being extended beyond what the Bible says of a man and a woman, there's no place for that in the scripture. Marriage is a husband and a wife. And so, uh, and, and part of that is because there are roles to be played. And when you confuse that, you confuse how God wants this to operate and the picture that he's trying to show. So what is the behavior that God will bless? I love the fact that Peter goes to blessing here. And so I think that's the overarching thing. Do we want to be a people not only that are making a difference in the world, that are living in the salvation, growing in the word, right? Uh, submitting before government, uh, being unified in that new identity, that priestly identity, but we also want to be a people who experience God's blessing in our life and that we might also, as Abraham was called, be a blessing to others. I believe the key to this is an attitude across the board of deference. The dictionary defines deference as respect, respectful submission or yielding to the judgment, opinion, will of another, or respectful or courteous regard for another. I believe deference towards other believers, towards the people that we interact with, being able and willing to yield, is going to align us with God's will, and it puts us in his inclination to receive a blessing. If you just want to know, how, how do I get a blessing? Have this attitude. And remember that this attitude is something that Christ did first. And so I'm so glad that Christ was willing to submit to the will of the Father. Just never forget that prayer in Gethsemane where Jesus said, Lord, any other way, Father, any other way. But if you say I have to drink this cup, I'll do it. And he submitted to the Father. And that's why we're saved. The picture of a marriage that we find in the Bible is one that says the church and Christ is like a wife and a husband. And that when we do it well, we reveal a reality, a mysterious reality that shows the world what a great God we serve. Amen. And so there are reasons why we need to try to do this well. It begins in three ways where Peter, Peter says every one of us has to have an attitude of deference, but I'm going to address three groups. So we have a word to the wives, we have guidance for the grooms, and we have a call to all. I just, I'm very proud of that. I would have finished hours earlier, but I was trying. <laughs> The word to the wives. We find in the first six verses a focus on wives. Is that because there's an issue? I don't think so. I think what we see is a continuance of what Peter has been discussing. How do we do this? How do you find yourselves in a position that requires submission and, uh, and do it right and do it in a way that God honors? And so I think the first thing we have to do in, uh, in addressing wives is having an attitude of yield to win. Yield to win. Be a quiet witness to lost and saintly husbands. All right, again, why do we submit to the government? Why do we submit in, uh, in the military to our authority? Why do we submit in our job to our, our bosses? Because prior we found out that that is how we might win them to Christ. It was a, it was a sneaky way of bringing the gospel, saying these people are fantastic. They do what they're told. They, they, they contribute. They work hard. 
And even when they're treated badly, they continue to do the best job. Why do you do it? Because we love Jesus. He continues that. Wives, he says, be submissive to your own husbands that even if some of them obey the word, sorry, do not obey the word, they without a word may be won by the conduct of their wives. Wives, submit to your husbands that even if they're lost by you doing what we're doing in all of these other roles, you'll win them, that you might win them. Now, this is even if some of them are lost, which means that this is still the posture even if they're saved. And so a wife can better her husband by doing what Peter says. And so have an attitude of being willing to yield, that they might look at your pure lifestyle, your holy lifestyle, that is a lifestyle further that is without fear. Sorry, I just want to get it right that they may be won by the conduct of their wives when they observe your chaste conduct accompanied by fear. And later on he'll say, without fear. And we're going to see these, with fear, without fear, what are you talking about, Peter? That when a husband looks at his wife and says, she's just the greatest, and that she's not trying to overturn uh, the authority, the structure, the, the way that, that we're, we're trying to do this together and someone has to lead, that, that she lives such a wonderful and pure life that I'm going to look at this. And then what is the fear? Who are we to fear when we're trying to live a submissive lifestyle? If you recall, who was the first person we submitted to last week? Submit first to God. Fear God. Honor the king. It begins with fear of God. And so a husband in this time, in this culture, who's looking at his wife, he's not a Christian, but she is being the greatest of the wives. Uh, she's doing everything she's asked. She's not on him all the time about be a Christian, be a Christian will win him stronger if she just fears God and does what she should do. And that is such a powerful witness that it's counterintuitive because the, the goal would be, I'm just going gonna to preach you into the kingdom. And what you see is that we need to be a verbal witness, but in this context, the husband has been disobedient to the word. He knows the word. He's been witnessed to. So the posture a wife should take is one of quiet. And I'll just, we'll just live together, but you're going to see my life is different because Jesus is in it. And I can do this even if you're not a great husband because I fear God. I fear God first. There is a wonderful story. It happened in 1986. It's kind of a tragic story. People died. Uh, there were uh, ships that were crossing each other in the Black Sea. And they had a head-on collision, or they, they ended up colliding because... Uh, it was confusing. There was an investigation. What the investigation revealed was that even though they were aware that they were going to collide, each captain, each captain was too proud to be the one to yield. And eventually, when they decided to make the turn, it was too late, and the ships collided, and people, uh, people were killed. And it's kind of this terrible story. You're like, that, that actually happened? Yeah, it happened in 1986. You can look it up. The, there comes a time when someone has to yield and it's the Christian that Peter says, you got to yield. And wives, you need to yield because God said so. And so whether you like it or not, it's, it's up to God. You submit to God. And if it bothers you that, that this is not how we do it in America today, it's okay because we've submitted first to God. And in the same way, most of the time in this culture, it was the husbands who were going to be going into the workplace to have to submit to their employers. It was the husbands who were going to be active in the government who were going to have to submit 
to the government. And so they're already doing these things in Peter's mind. He's already given them ample instructions on this is how you live. But in marriage, it works a little different. Then he moves on. If, if the wives are not upset at me yet, we'll keep going. <laughs> Do not let your adornment be merely outward. Unveil your inner beauty, Peter says. You see, we have an emphasis sometimes on the exterior. And this is something that is not what women should do. Now, why in the world would he say this to women? We have, do not let your, your, your adornment be merely outward, arranging the hair, wearing gold, and putting on fine apparel. Rather, let it be the inner person of the heart. Why does he go here? And this is one of those things that there is some generalities being done here. But I have been to Dillard's, and I have been to J.C. Penney's, and I have struggled to find the men's section. I, I remember going to Dillard's in the entire bottom floor was women's stuff. Then I went upstairs, and then half of the top floor was children's stuff, and then a third of the top floor was uh, housing things and, and beautiful things to decorate with, because that's something men are interested in, right? Yeah. <laughs> and then in the corner, oh, hey, we've got like six racks for, for men's clothes. Now, if, if, if you're mad at Peter, he's recognizing something here. Women, advertisers know, are generally the ones that are inclined to spend money on these things. And, and they like to do these things. It's something that's nice. <laughs> and men, you know, especially young men, you work really hard to try to get them to present themselves at all. You know? Put a shirt on, for heaven's sakes, when you're... <clears throat> so, so anyway, you know, the, the men are different. Women are different. This is, a, this is a generality. It's not that it's all the same. But it is more uh, likely that women would be concerned about their presentation. And so don't merely do that, ladies. But focus on bringing out what's inside. Because you can get distracted by trying to dress up. I mean, and the girls, you do it for the girls. And then you get mad because the husbands don't even notice, right? Uh, you know, you come home with a shaved head and your husband's like, two days pass. Did you notice that I cut my hair? You know, it's like... <laughs> I got the Sinead O'Connor thing going. And, uh, you know, because guys are guys, right? <laughs> but women uh, can get caught up in this. And so don't do that. Don't do that. It doesn't mean that you can't dress nice and take care of yourself. But that can't be the focus. What you need to focus on is cultivating and showing the interior. How do you even show the interior? And what he focused on in particular is a certain, a certain type of fruits of the spirit. Wife is uh, beautiful on the inside, the inner person of the heart. You know, again, also listen to music. There's that uh, Christina Aguilera song, You Are Beautiful No Matter What They Say. You know, can you imagine a guy singing that song? We just... <laughs> you are beautiful in every single way. It just sounds silly, right? Because guys aren't worried about that stuff. But girls are. And girls can be mean and bullied. And, and, and so you, you try to do all these things to show the world, hey, I'm, I'm worth something. And Peter says, that's the trap. Yeah. Don't get sucked into that trap. You are beautiful from the inner person of the heart. Peter said it first, Christina. Peter had it right. <laughs> Bring it to the front. Bring it to the front. And the ways that you can do that is by being gentle and quiet. These are fruits of the spirit. Gentleness, kindness. All right? A quietness. Something that actually causes uh, maybe your husband to interrogate and say, hey, how are you doing? Yeah. You know, it's, it's a trick. It's a way of getting him engaged. <laughs> you, you know, there's all those verses about nagging in the Bible. At least I don't have to preach on that. 
Use the subtlety. That's what Peter's saying. And imitate. Uh, so don't have that. Uh, also, the outward stuff, it changes. You know, I, 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 some of the things that's really fun is watching the, the p- pictures of the 70s. You know, your wedding picture in the light blue suits, right? And uh, when bangs were in and when bangs were out and the big hair and... and this stuff changes. There was missionary, uh, a missionary was shocked when he went to a, a country in Africa, and they thought that he wasn't taking care of his wife because she was young and fit. You know, like, you don't love your wife. How, how can you bring the gospel? Because they had a saying, and the saying is this. I want to get it right. They, they thought a larger woman was one who was loved. Wow. And so the, the saying is, if your wife sits upon a camel and the camel cannot stand, your wife is truly beautiful. Now, some might say, I want to move there. <laughs> <Get off. laughs> and, you know, go to the Renaissance art. All the ladies are bigger ladies. It changes. You get stuck at trying to keep up with this. But you know what never changes? A gentle and quiet spirit. One that seeks to honor your husband. <laughs> then, 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 okay, I, I've almost gone, gotten to the point where you're going to walk out on me. But <laughs> imitate the manner of the holy mothers. We talk about the fathers a lot, but Peter actually tips his hat to the mothers, and he mentions Sarah in particular. Remember, the, the, we have Sarah, we have Rebecca, we have Rachel, you know, we, we have Leah, we, uh, the, the, the mothers, and we can learn things from the mothers. I know we did a Bible study, you know, the good girls of the Bible, and then that wasn't as popular as the bad girls of the Bible, but um, then we had to debate, is J.L. good or bad? Because she does the will of the Lord. She's pretty... Handy with a tent, tent spike. <laughs> but Sarah in particular, let, let's just go to this. In this manner, in former times, the holy women who trusted in God also adorned themselves, being submissive to their own husbands, as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, whose daughters you are, if you do good and are afraid with terror. Um, how many wives today call their husbands master? I would argue that most husbands would be uncomfortable with that today. <laughs> and many wives would be uncomfortable with that. What is, what is Peter getting at? The, the important thing here is it is helpful in marriage from time to time for a woman to acknowledge the husband's authority. There were times I, in my childhood where my mom acknowledged my dad's authority. Typically it was, it's on you, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to submit, but if this is the wrong choice, it's you and God. Right? <laughs> and that, yeah. I've, been, I've been the butt of these jokes for years, Mom. <laughs> well, you know, but even in that, I, I bring that up because it's funny. Because if we go to the Old Testament, do you guys remember Sarah calling Abraham Lord? It's on a specific occasion. Three visitors visit Abraham's house. Two are angels. One is God, and they're talking with him. They, sell, they say, Abraham, about this time next, your wife, will ha- your wife will have a baby. And Sarah laughs. That's why Isaac's name is Laughter, because Sarah laughed at the idea. She's in her 80s. You know, I know women that, 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 that sometimes find out the baby's coming, and they're uh, past 40, and they're not all too pleased. <laughs> what about if you were 80? Sarah is laughing, and what she says is, oh, should it be at this time that, that such good news would come to me and my Lord? And so she is in a sarcastic, somewhat humorous mood, 
but she doesn't allow that mood to result in her dishonoring her husband. And so she might not have called him master and lord all the time. It may have been somewhat humorous. But the important thing is she recognized. And I think in joking around, and when we get in those moods sometimes, we can cut down our spouse or make them uh, feel, feel bad or disrespect them. Not even on purpose. But it's important, especially because of the way men and women are wired, for wives to try to show honor to their husband. And I think it's important sometimes just to recognize there is a structure here, there's an authority here, and I'm, I'm in line with that authority. It, it doesn't mean that you're going to butt heads every day of the week either, but, but this is the kind of character that, that God is looking for, and it is, yes, uh, not always fitting well with our present culture. Obedience, finally, to God. You are the daughters of Sarah. And again, this is why it's important to talk about the mothers. I'm not sure many young girls are like, I want to be a daughter of Sarah, right? But I want to be a child of Abraham, right? Do you want to be a daughter of Sarah? Do you want to be like these? You are daughters of Sarah if you do good and are not afraid with any terror. And so we had earlier that the husband will observe your chaste act with fear. But now you'll do good without any fear at all. And I think what we have in the first part is... We're going to fear God and do these things even if I have an unchristian husband. But now I'm going to be like the holy mothers of old because I'm going to seek to live righteously, following God's rule, and I'm going to do it with no fear. And who am I not going to be afraid of? I'm not going to be afraid of my husband. And that is the kind of wife that God is wanting, and that is the kind of wife that is going to be in line for the blessing. So obedience to God is where it begins. And so if you have a problem obeying your husband, if you don't even like your husband, do it because you obey God. Amen. That's what he told. If you don't like your boss, you don't like your president, we obey because for God's sake. We do it for God's sake. And so you've always got a reason. You know, do not fear. Uh, William Gurnall said, we fear men so much because we fear God so little. And what Peter reminds us here is if you fear God first, there's no fear of man. Anything that can be done to you is temporal and you have an eternal inheritance. So... Word to the wives. Let's move on, shall we? Guidance to the grooms. It's really only one verse. Is that fair? I don't. <laughs> Husbands likewise dwell with them with understanding, giving honor to the wife as to the weaker vessel and as being heirs together of the grace of life that your prayers may not be hindered. Notice whose prayers are getting hindered. There's no punishment to the wives. There's some fear the husband should have in not following suit. And so that's one of those things where it comes back to there's responsibility attached by being the leader. Do life with your wife. Very simple. Husbands, dwell with them in understanding. Especially in this time frame, but even in today, there's times where husbands just are doing their own thing and the wives are doing their own thing and you can live really separate lives. Peter is a married apostle, by the way. He knows a little bit about what he's talking about. He says, live with them. Do it together. Work on finding things that you can do together, hobbies that you can get, pull it together, and do it in understanding. And I think understanding here applies in two ways. One, understand what God's called you to as a husband. Why did God put you and your wife together? What is he wanting to work out together through that marriage? You know, your children, how, how does it all fit together? So work on that. Think about your marriage as husbands, and then understand your wife. 
Get to know your wife. How many of us really know our wives? This is the uh, men and women joke line that continues all the time, right? You know, uh, men are from Mars, women are from Venus. Uh, I think you've got one of the, a basketball movie where you're always trying to fix things. I, I get in the night, this is the woman talking to her husband saying, you know, I'm, I'm thirsty and you get up and get me a, a cup of water. And really all I wanted is for you to say, yes, I too know what thirst is. I don't even know if that's a real story, but it was uh, so over the top. <laughs> Do you know your wife? I feel like General MacArthur on this sometimes when he was studying the theory of relativity at, uh, at West Point. And his teacher said, uh, M- MacArthur, do you know the theory? And uh, he, said, he read the, the passage in the book, the paragraph, word for word. And, and the teacher said, uh, well, but do you understand it? And General, uh, not yet General MacArthur said, no, sir, I don't. <laughs> and the teacher waited a second and said, neither do I. Let's move on. <laughs> There's a mystery about getting to know your spouse. And husbands, work at getting to know your wife. Don't just get your day over and go your separate ways. You know, take some time. Get, get, ask the questions. How was your day? You know, women talk twice as much as men. So men work at it. He didn't tell the women to work at this. They're okay asking you. They want to have a conversation. So you got to work at it. Do life together. And then consider your wife's weakness. All right? The, the feminist movement of the 60s and 70s probably wants to tear this verse out of the Bible. Consider her as a weaker vessel. This is likely referring to physical realities. And this is not always true, but again, we're generalizing. Generalizing can be helpful if you know you're doing it. Most men are stronger than most women. And most husbands are stronger than most wives. And realizing that, be aware of your wife's needs. And I think it extends beyond physical weakness to you're considering your wife. So consider her needs. in general, we, we actually built a society that did this. We used to hold doors for ladies. Why? Not because we didn't think you could hold a door. Because it's a way of honoring women. It's, it's, a, it's a way of saying, once upon a time in culture, men abused women and made them submit by force. But in our Christian society, in our Christian culture, we don't do that. We honor women. When they stand up at a table, we stand up at a table. When, when we uh, let them in, we hold the door. We, we had a whole list of things that you did as a gentleman not because you were submitting to women, but because we recognized something that the Bible says next, that women are co-heirs. Take pride in your bride. Honor her and acknowledge her worth and her destiny. You see, unlike the culture of Peter's day, he said this arrangement is temporary, and even though marriage functions in this particular way, there's coming a day that she is an heir with you of the grace of life. So don't be real careful how you handle God's child, husbands. And so when we look at how Peter's laid this out, husbands has one verse, but it's a verse of do's. All right? (laughs) Take care of your wife, pay attention to her needs, and make sure that you never forget she is a child of the king as much as you are. And she is in an arrangement that is sometimes difficult, so you better pay attention to this as a Christian husband. It's much harder for a non-Christian, for a wife of a non-Christian husband, or it should be. Or else, or else your prayers are hindered. The very last verse of this section, God's face is against those who do evil. His ears open to those that do good, but he's against those that do. If you mistreat, neglect, belittle, or abuse your wife, God's not listening to anything you pray. Just, just stop. 
<laughs> no point. It's so serious. And so God wants husbands to honor their wives, to acknowledge their destiny, and he wants you to promote your prayers. Oftentimes, if something is true, the opposite is also true. If our prayers are hindered by mistreating our wives, maybe our prayers are magnified by treating them well. This is something that I think we forget. <laughs> if you want to have a greater relationship with God, treat your wife, your wife right. Treat your wife as she deserves. And so promote your prayers. Bunyan, good old John Bunyan in prison, writes the Pilgrim's Progress. He says, prayers will make a man cease from sin or sin will entice a man to cease from prayer. If you also wonder why I don't have a desire to have a growing relationship with God, maybe it's because you're not taking care of that relationship that God placed you in, marriage. And so look to your marriage. It's the fundamental institution. That's why Paul actually, sorry, Peter actually takes time to address men in this. He doesn't address governing rulers. He doesn't address employers. He address, addresses those in submission roles. But he then stops and said, if you're a Christian man, it's different and do it this way. So word to the wives, we've got guidance to the grooms and then he moves to everybody. What if you're not married? And what if you are married? Here's, here's for you. <clears throat> Finally, all of you be of one mind, having compassion for one another. Love as brothers. Be tenderhearted. Be courteous. Don't return evil for evil. It's just a list. It's the same thing, though. It's deference. The call to all is be united. Love and consider each other. We get this in Philippians 3. We get this in Philippians 2. We get this all over the place in the Bible. Be the mind of Christ who gave himself up, didn't think of himself, thought of others, considered others as higher than himself. Love and consider each other. John Wesley says, I want the whole Christ for my Savior, the whole Bible for my book, the whole church for my fellowship, and the whole world for my mission field. Amen. Are we united in our love and our mission and our God? Reject evil. If someone curses you, bless them. That's a great way of deference. Remember what Jesus said, if someone uh, makes you walk a mile, walk another. If someone makes you uh, give them the cloak, give them two cloaks, right? It, it, defer to them because you're going to win them over in this counterintuitive way. And then be the best of the blessed. Knowing that you were called to this, that you may inherit a blessing. And then jumping to verse 12, for the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are open to their prayers. God wants to bless. Live right in your relationships. Do right under the government. Do right under your boss. Do right by your wife. Do right by your husband. And then God is just ready to pour out the blessings. What kind of blessings do we have? Effie Marsh laid them out for us. We have some blessings all over the New Testament. An acceptance that can never be questioned. An inheritance that can never be lost. A deliverance that can never be excelled a grace that can never be limited, a hope that can never be disappointed, a bounty that can never be withdrawn, a joy that need never be diminished, a nearness to God that can never be reversed, a peace that will never be disturbed, a righteousness that can never be tarnished, and a salvation that can never be canceled. Amen. You want to be the best of the blessed? Defer to each other. Consider each other's needs. And if you've never experienced the blessings of our Lord, I would ask you to consider deferring. Getting saved is a matter of giving the higher honor. It's a matter of bowing me before Jesus and saying, you are worthy. And so I would ask you, 
to pray with me right now if you have not given your life to Christ, that you might experience the blessing of salvation. Heavenly Father, I admit I'm a sinner. I've done it my way. I've placed myself first. I ask you, Jesus, forgive me of my sins. Be my master. Be my Lord. Save me from my sins. And let me be a blessing to all I meet from now and forever. Amen. If you said that prayer, we believe that you are a Christian, so welcome to the family, and we follow the book. <laughs> so grow in the Word, get to know your Lord better by, by getting involved in church and getting uh, deeper in the Scriptures. Let's close with a blessing from 2 Corinthians thirteen fourteen. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Go in peace. Have a wonderful week.